This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Our son Aaron, uh, as many of you know, is, um, he's full-time staff with Overland Missions, and he will be leaving in just a few weeks and heading out for six months. Be going to Congo and Brazil and Zambia and Tanzania and Zanzibar. And, uh, and so, uh, so as I've been going through this series um, of heaven on earth, um, he's like, well, I, wanna, I got something, the Lord's giving me something for this. Can I please, one more time, let me, can I please? It's like, okay, man, all right, all right. We, we've been through, the, through uh, what he's got, and I believe the Lord's got a good word uh, this morning that, uh, that he's going to share. And so, so, um, so anyway, with that said, um, you guys give Aaron Thomas a hand. Does that work? Y'all hear me? All right, so he just stole, like, my entire opening. No, I walked into church this morning, and, and Mom told me that I'm wearing the same shirt that he wore last week. Um, <laughs> and I'd like to clarify, it's my shirt. I, I <laughs> he steals them out of my closet. He said he got lots of compliments, so hopefully y'all think I look nice, too. So, Yeah. I did beg to get this sermon. It took six months to break him down. <laughs> I finally got it. Um, like he said, I'm leaving in just over a month. I'll be overseas for six months. I'll be in. I'm going to say this all over again. So I'm going to be in Brazil. I'm going to be in Congo. I'm going to be in Tanzania, Zanzibar. Did I miss one? Zambia. Um, and the reason that I want to like highlight those five things, like where I'm going, what I'm doing, is because as a part of Overland, we preach new creation. It does not matter what group of people we go to, wherever in the world, we're preaching new creation, our rebirth, because that is the most important message that you can get to anyone in the world. If you're reaching someone that's never heard the name of Jesus, that's the story, that's the, that's the truth that you want to get across to them, right? Because what's the greatest miracle of all? Salvation. Salvation. So... I know that uh, we're on a sermon series, Heaven on Earth, the past three, week, the past three weeks. Uh, Dad's been talking about how heaven's not just a location. Pastor Rob, Dad, past, Pastor Dad. Um, so <laughs> he's been talking about how heaven is not just a location, but it's a kingdom that we're citizens of. We're ambassadors. It's something that we walk in. It's inside of us. And I really want to hit on the ambassadorship that he's talked about that he said we're going to hear more of, and of course, that's what I'm about to talk about. Um, I want to hit 2 Corinthians 5.20 that says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on, implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. To fully understand what we have as ambassadors, as citizens of heaven, um, we need to go back to the beginning, right? And like I was saying, what, what, what is it that I preach? What is it I pre that we preach in Overland to everybody? Identity, new creation, the gospel. So I'm going to give a two to five minute run. This is going to sound exactly like it would sound if I was in a village in the middle of nowhere, Brazil, Africa. But in the beginning, <laughs> in the beginning, we go back to Genesis. God created us in his perfect image. He hand-knit us in our mother's womb, perfect, blameless, righteous, holy. I mean, we were, we were without a flaw. We were without a single flaw. And he created the earth, and he picked up the dirt, and he created Adam, and he walked beside him. Adam and God walked side by side in the garden. They were 
and holy communion, hand in hand, walking with one another. And so God decided that Adam needed a partner. So he grabbed a rib from Adam, created, created Eve, and they walked together in the garden, the three of them. And so there was only, and he gave, he gave them all dominion, all rule, all leadership, all authority over the earth, and there was only one rule. What was that one rule? Don't eat of the fruit. Don't eat of the tree of good and evil, right? So one day, Eve is tempted. She's deceived, and she eats from the fruit. But what happens here is Adam was not deceived. Adam was fully conscious and knew that he was making a decision that was against the word of God, and he ate of the fruit knowing fully the weight of the decision that he was making. And that, in that very moment, there was separation. It was, all, it was broken, our relationship with God. We can no longer walk side by side with him in the garden. It was sin and darkness. All of it entered the world because, because God couldn't just turn his back on that. We have a just God, and he couldn't just turn his back to our sin. And we, I mean, we, we, we could no longer walk with him. But he loved us so much that he had a plan, that he made a way regardless of what the decision that we made. And he sent his one and only son to live a perfect and blameless and holy life. He died on the cross, lived a, died a criminal's death. He was death, he was, he was killed and he was buried and he resurrected three days later and he left the weight of sin and shame behind them. And it was because of that that we can reach out and grab the hand of God and be returned to where we were at the beginning of time as perfect, as righteous, as blameless, as holy. Our spirit is perfect. And that's, that's the gospel, right? It's, it's a free choice that we can decide to, to step back into our original design, how we were originally created. We just have to, we just have to reach out and grab it. So my first point, bouncing off of the, the groundwork that I just laid with the gospel, is we are all born into the kingdom of darkness. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. When we as man are born, we are handed a spiritual birth certificate, and on it the Father's name says Adam. In, in, in our DNA is death and darkness. I mean, we, it, we are cursed. It is so intertwined with who we are that it can, we cannot be separated no matter, no matter what. It doesn't matter how much scrubbing and cleaning we might try and do. It doesn't matter how good of a person we might try and be. There is nothing that you can do because it's in your DNA. We are all born into the world, a son of Adam, and you inherit sin and death and darkness. You are cursed without any hope of saving yourself. Most of you guys have, have heard my testimony before, but um, I, I was so young that I don't even remember when I gave my life to the Lord. Um, I just know that as time passed, um, I, I slowly allowed the things of the world to um, force, the, I allowed the things of the world to overcome me so that I was not reflecting the same decision that I made when I was younger. I was full of pride, selfishness, and addiction, and the list goes on and on. And, and to the world, I mean, how you guys may have seen me, I, I may have looked the part of the, a Christian, but on the inside, I was allowing death and darkness to reign throughout my entire life. 
It wasn't until just over a year ago that God truly got a hold of my life. And to be very honest, I'm not sure that if I had died that I would have been going to see Jesus. Because I was living such a selfish, perverse lifestyle that there is no part of me that reflected the decision that I made when I was younger. I was seeking the desires of my own heart and not the desires of God's heart. I lived a life void of true intimacy with the Father. I actually read a a quote on Instagram that I want to put up there. (laughs) Faith void of true intimacy with the Lord is a spectator sport that gives us a counterfeit rush and does not conceive spiritual fruit within us. That's a whole lot, right? I'm going to read it one more time. Faith void of of true intimacy with the Lord is a spectator sport that gives us a counterfeit rush and does not conceive spiritual fruit within us. If you're living your life as a spectator of a Christian walk, you're not conceiving the spiritual fruit that you have the authority and the ability to produce. Because while we are not saved through our works, if we have a true revelation of Christ's faithfulness in our lives, then our actions should at least produce some good fruit. Some good fruit. I am so thankful for Jesus and his ultimate sacrifice that pulled me out of sin and shame. Jesus is the bridge that connects the the, the void of darkness into the, he's the bridge that connects us to the light. That leads to my second point. Jesus, the second Adam, is our bridge to new life. I mean, it was the great exchange. He was was crucified for our sins, right? I told you that we, we, it does not matter how hard we try, we can scrub and scrub and scrub and we will never be good enough. We will never be good enough. And in our filth, in our, in our, in our just inability to dig, us, dig our hole that we can even climb out of, I mean, we are just stuck. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became sin so that we could become righteous. I mean, we, we, were, we were, like I told you, we were stuck. There was no escape. We, there was nothing that we can do in our own might. Jesus took our place. Jesus became sin so that we could become righteous. Like, let the grab, like, that is a big deal. That is huge. We hear it over and over. But Jesus became sin so that we could become righteous. Our sin nature was buried at the cross. Once, once we accept Jesus, our sin nature dies. That old man dies. We are reborn with the righteous nature of the Father. There's no power in sin once we've died to our old selves because sin is not even in our nature. It's not who we are. It's not in our DNA. Imagine, imagine an alcoholic is, is bound by his sin his addiction is so strong that he has not even the ability to say no. I mean, he, he is just so caught up in his addiction that he just cannot escape it. He drinks and he drinks and he drinks. If he were to have a heart attack and die, what power would the alcohol then have over him? 
You could put a bottle in his hand and a straw to his lips and still there would be no reaction for after death there is no power in the temptation of sin. In the same way, once we've died to our flesh, there is no power in sin. You can't drink alcohol if you're dead. (laughs) My dad made fun of me when I said this part here. I said, put a straw to his lips. He said he doesn't know anyone that drinks alcohol with a straw. <laughs> so what do I, what do I know? <laughs> 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will, let you be, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide for you a way out so that you can endure it. You may feel like you don't have a righteous nature sometimes, but that's because we have a soul and a flesh that don't want to align with our spirit. And that's where the battle lies. I was talking to my grandpa, and he gave me the coolest analogy that y'all might think is cheesy and cringy. I don't care. (laughs) So many of us have a 2023 MacBook Pro of a spirit, and we're running on a Windows XP software of a soul and a flesh. We have a NASA supercomputer of a spirit, and we're just trying to constantly update our software to be able to run with that computer. Our spirit is perfect, it is righteous, it is holy, it is blameless. If we can look in the mirror and see ourselves, we are, we, we, we are just as Jesus was. The word of God says we are perfect, we are righteous, we are blameless, we are holy. And God puts the word above himself. And we look in the mirror, and the mirror is the word of God. See yourself how Christ sees you. See yourself through the lens of Christ. You may not want to align your flesh, your soul may not want to align with your spirit, align with your spirit. But your spirit's, your spirit's already there. You already got a MacBook Pro of a spirit. It's the constant renewing of your mind. It's the, it's the constant transformation to update your software. So all of that, (laughs) all of that to say, to reiterate the beginning that Jesus is what pulls us out of our filth bridges us from the void into the kingdom of light and allows us to operate with that 2023 MacBook Pro spirit. Jesus is the bridge. And my third point, as citizens of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, we become heirs of a great inheritance. So while I was at AMT training to join Overland Missions, we had to write an eight-page paper on the new creation. And I have several excerpts here from what I wrote in this paper, but this is a whole lot. I'm going to try and read it slow. But the decision to kill my old creation was the beginning of my new abundant life in Christ. Since the problem had come by natural birth, it can only be removed by a supernatural birth by the Spirit. That old man is dead, buried, and rotting. 
No evidence of him exists in my life because when I became a new creation, I was raised to life in divine righteousness with Christ. Complete, whole, and perfect. Christ is in me and I am in him. He bore the crown of thorns so I could be reborn. The veil was torn and separation between God and I was no longer. I am completely restored and reconciled with Christ. Y'all are clapping, but that's for you too. (laughs) That's for every single one of you. That old man, I mean, it's symbolic of baptism, right? Symbolic of baptism, you dip under the water. Your old man dies, and when you come over, the, come over, you've crossed the bridge, and you're reborn. You come to life, a new creation, how you were originally designed, how you were originally created. The authority that you can walk in at that place, you can do greater things than even he. Colossians 1.12 says giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. We are qualified to partake in the inheritance of the Father. It's just that crossing of the bridge. It is the, you were, you were born into the world, the son of Adam. And so when you cross that bridge, when you were when now qualified for inheritance, You are now born a son of God. You you inherit everything from the creator of the universe. Come on. Oh, I almost forgot. I can't do a sermon without. So when I was in in Zambia, I'd go, hallelujah. Amen. I can't can't miss that. (laughs) I'm going to do that a couple more times. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll come back to it. Once we have a true revelation of our identity in Christ and what we inherit as citizens of heaven, we can carry this message to the ends of the earth. We become ambassadors from the kingdom of heaven to the earth. Um, I was talking to my grandpa last night, um, and, we were just, and he just said a, gave me a story, and I was like, well, that's going in this. I'm putting that in there right now. <laughs> And he, was, I, he couldn't find the book, I don't think, but he, he was searching for it. Um, but he was talking about how during World War II, um, the underground church and everything, like it was, it was like a struggle. Um, he, even said that, he even said that the location of where the underground church would be meeting wouldn't be told to any of the members. And to find it, you would have to pray and ask the Spirit, and the Spirit would lead them to where everyone was meeting. Come on, hallelujah. <laughs> That's some confidence, right? Especially in that time, to just, just the Spirit puts it in you and you know exactly where all the other believers are. So he told me that, he told me that the, there was a group of people on the way to a meeting and they were walking and they were walking and they were walking and they were stopped by a group of, a group of soldiers and the soldiers asked them, where, where, where are you going? Like, what, what, what's the point? Where are you going? And they didn't want to lie. They didn't want to lie to the soldiers. And so they said, our elder brother has died, and we're going to hear a reading of the will. <laughs> That's what we're doing every time we come to church, right? 
we're going to hear a reading of the will because it's our inheritance. That's what, that's what we receive. Our elder brother has died, and we receive everything that he left behind. He told me that story, and I was like, come on. Amen. <laughs> oh. So I actually want to have both my grandpa and my dad come up here. Yeah. They know this is happening. You're, yep, yep, nope, yep. <laughs> Old man's got to take the stairs. <laughs> you're on that side, you're on that side. So obviously, these are my, this is my biological grandpa. This is my biological father, right? Take a step this way. Thank you. (laughs) One fourth of him is in me. One half of him is in me, right? Did I say that right? That might have been backwards, but you know what I'm saying. Regardless of any relationship that you might have, you could maybe never meet your earthly father, and there are things that you inherit that are passed down from them to you, generation to generation. He inherited inherited stuff from his father. He inherited stuff from him. I inherited stuff from him. And, and, you know, everyone knows how it works, right? We run down. We all have an inheritance from our father. So this is fun. This is Adam. This is Adam, okay? I don't have to dress up. (laughs) This is Adam. Sin and death and darkness. As his son, I inherit all of those things. I, I inherit death and darkness and depression and anxiety and the pressures of the world. I'll never be enough. I can't be great enough. I can't perform enough. There is nothing that I can do. It is in our DNA. From father to son, passed down in our DNA, there is nothing that I can do to escape it. You can imagine Adam as a thorn bush. Imagine, there's, imagine my dad's a thorn bush. Pastor dad's a thorn bush. He's a thorn bush. It does not matter how much good you do. It does not matter how much you give away, how generous you are. It does not matter what you do if you're of the seed of Adam because what does a thorn bush produce? Thorns. A thorn bush can only grow thorns. You could give away your house. You could, you, could, you could work at a nonprofit and do everything that you can to be the best person in the earthly standards. And what are you producing? You will never be good enough. You will never be enough. And in our own hands, there is, there is nothing. There is nothing that we can do. I've said it over and over, but you are born into the world And on our spiritual birth certificate, it says, Adam. Death and darkness is in our DNA. And the only escape is death to this man. Death. You have to cross that bridge and you are no longer a son of Adam, but you're a son of God. 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 You are reborn a son or daughter of God, meaning that he's one-fourth of me, but I inherit everything from the Father and the Spirit. I'm, de- I'm spiritually dead as a son of Adam, and I'm spiritually alive as a son of God. I inherit everything from the Father. 
I've said it over and over, blameless, righteous, holy. I can walk in a perfect identity as I was originally created because I am a son of the creator of the universe. So imagine him, imagine God, an apple tree. It can be any kind of tree you want, but thorn bush produces what? Apple, apple tree produces what? So once you are reborn, a son or daughter of God, you inherit that, you cannot grow thorns. You only produce fruit. And, 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 and so you're, you, you are a perfect tree. You're that MacBook Pro. You're that 2023 MacBook Pro. And all you're doing is working on making sweeter fruit, bearing better fruit, right? So how often are we sons and daughters of God? We can look in the mirror and, and acknowledge who we are, but we still act like we're a son of Adam. We still walk around with an identity of death and darkness and depression and anxiety when we can look in the mirror and say, I am a son and daughter of God. You gentlemen may sit down. He's taking the stairs again. One bottle down. <clears throat> Romans 6.23, I'm skipping, I'm skipping a little bit, guys. But um, Romans 6.23 in the message translation says, work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our master. Romans 6, 1, 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in this newness of life. If we have a revelation, if we understand we are a son and daughter of God, we should no longer allow our dead self. That person is dead and rotting. That person is in the grave. Why are you allowing that to try and come back alive when you are a son or daughter of God? You have all authority over Everything over all of, all of sin and darkness. The battle's already won. You can speak to it and you can tell it to go in the name of Jesus and it has to obey. Here's the last little excerpt from the paper that I wrote. The confidence in my new creation allowed me to see myself how Christ sees me. Righteous, blameless, and holy. It is only as you see yourself clean and pure that you will be able to experience the life that has been given to you. I truly knew that I was righteous, and because of that, my actions began to reflect it. I saw this displayed in my own life when I became one with Christ. 
temptations and desires unpleasing to God were no longer, no longer had a stronghold over me. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. No matter what circumstance I faced, I knew the truth of who I was in Christ and that I could stand on his promises. Keeping the promise of God in your mouth, despite what you are experiencing, is what biblical meditation is all about. It is the renewing of your mind. We hear in church so much that, that repent and turn from your sin, but your salvation is not a cleansing of your heart. You are a brand new person. You have a brand new heart is placed inside of you. You are a brand new person. So being that 2023 MacBook Pro and, and the software that might be trying to slow you down, you say, Keep, keeping the promises of God in my mouth, despite what I'm experiencing, is what biblical meditation is all about. Renewing your mind, constant transformation, and, and, and constantly, constantly getting closer and closer to running on that computer, updating your software. So my fourth and final point, you're an ambassador, so be the light of the world. I got to speak at the gathering this last Thursday, and this is a lot of what I hit on, being the righteousness of God, that, that we can operate in this authority. So if we, we, if we can acknowledge our identity as a citizen of heaven, the fullness that we can operate in, what is stopping us? We know that what well, you know I am a son or daughter of God. I inherit everything from the Father. What is stopping you from walking in that inheritance? What is stopping you from walking in that identity? I feel like we, we live in a world of comparison. We live in a world where we, where, we, where we look to other people and we compare ourselves to them and we put ourselves down. And if you allow yourself to carry any weight of of depression, anxiety, self-deprecation, whatever it might be, like you're minimizing what Christ did on the cross because he buried all of that, yeah. right? He buried, the, the, he buried sin and shame. You don't have to walk with that. You do not have to walk with it. But I feel like we live in a world that does not reflect that truth. Numbers 13, 30 through 33. Actually, uh, do y'all have it? I think I'm only going to read the last verse here. Um, 33. Um, so we know that Moses sent 12 spies in, and 10 of them, 10 of them came back with a bad report. Um, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone in as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, so we were in their sight. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight, so we were grasshoppers in their sight. If we see ourselves as grasshoppers, then so does everybody else. If we see ourselves as grasshoppers, that's how we're going to act. That's how we're going to operate. We are sons and daughters of God. We are not grasshoppers. We are not grasshoppers. What is a story in the Bible that perfectly parallels this story? David and Goliath. 
David and Goliath. David fought bears. David fought lions. He walked up to the Philistines and walked up to, to Goliath with a sling and a stone, and he took care of business. He took care of business. He was not intimidated. He was not scared. He had such utter confidence in God because he knew his identity, and he just walked in there and just slayed a giant just, just, just like that. Just like that. And something I said on Thursday night that I'm going to say right now, this isn't good for David. Man, that's a great story. No, that's ours too. Like, like if David can do it, so can we. Right? How Jesus walked on the earth, which says we'll do greater things than even he. And it actually said in the last verse of John that he did so many good things that there were not enough books in the world to contain it. So we can do greater things than even he who did so many things that there's not enough books in the world to contain it. Why do we see ourselves as grasshoppers? Hallelujah. We know, we know that this is ours to operate in, like I just said. I mean, we can be like David. We can be like Jesus. We can be like literally any biblical figure that we might look at. I mean, that is just ours to claim. As a son or daughter of God, you don't have to, you don't have to pray to have this inheritance. You don't have to pray to receive it. It is who you are. It is, it is in your DNA. You are righteous. You just got to start acting it out. In Matthew, it says, to be the light of the world, it says to be a city on a hill, but we cannot be the light of the world if we look like the darkness that surrounds us. We cannot be the light of the world if we look like the darkness that surrounds us. We are called to look different, to be different, to look weird. We are not supposed to look like everybody else as Christians. Why is that? Because the entire world is in the kingdom of darkness. Their identity is a son of Adam. And they see a son or daughter of God. And that is different. That is not who they are. That is a, that is a different bloodline. It says to be the salt. It says to be the salt and light of the earth. That you should have more flavor. You should, you should be different. You should be set apart. So I can say all of this, but what does that look like? What does it look like to be the light of the world in our workplace or be the light of the world in our schools? Be the light of the world in your household. Jesus is our perfect example. We inherit everything from the Father. We inherit all the gifts of the Spirit. We can walk in them. We're no longer working on anger because we're an apple tree. We're not, we're not working on anger, we're working on patience. We're working on patience because our fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, you're just working on sweeter and sweeter fruit. You're working on bearing better and better fruit. You can walk in every single one of those. You can have someone come against you. You can have someone totally wrong you in your workplace. You can have somebody steal a client, steal your commission, and you can just be so mad, and they have, you have every right in the world to just go yell in their face, flip stuff off their desk, and tell them off, but you are a son or daughter of God, and you look different than the world. And you're gonna respond in a way that reflects who your father is. Yeah. 
You're going to go to school and you're going to have a huge exam. And you're going to have a test that you have to pass. And you'll have the smartest kid in class sitting to your left and you'll have every ability to cheat. But you're not going to look like the world. You're not going to operate like the world. You're going to operate like a son or daughter of God as a citizen of heaven and not cheat on that test. There's a billion examples. I could keep going. There might be times where that that Windows XP software from 2001 tries to slow you down. You You may just be so upset with your kids and you do something out of anger. You might do something, you might do something wrong. It's going back, repenting to them and telling you that's not who I am. That is not a reflection of who I am as a son or daughter of God and that's not a reflection of how I should treat you as a son or daughter of God. You make amends, you die to yourself daily, you pick up your cross, and no matter how much your flesh and your soul might hate it, you have to constantly transform your software, you have to renew your mind, renew your soul, so that you can get to a place where you are just getting closer and closer to this computer. You're getting closer and closer to this perfect and righteous spirit that is inside of us. I made a joke with my dad, and I said, my, spirit, my spirit's righteous and holy, it's just the meat bag that's holding me down. You just got to, you have to align your spirit, align your soul, align your flesh, align your soul with your spirit. That entire message, if I could wrap it all up into a two or three sentence thing that I just want you to walk away with. As a citizen of heaven, You inherit righteousness and all the promises of God. You are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven to earth. Your citizenship with your kingdom rights and inheritance qualifies you and equips you to bring heaven to earth. You are already equipped. You are already provided with everything the moment that you die to Adam and are reborn, a son or daughter of God, you are equipped with everything to bring heaven to earth. And the amazing thing, the amazing thing about this is you are now a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And just like Americans, we have certain rights and we have certain freedoms and we have certain things that we can walk in as a citizen of America. We have a direct line to the president. In the kingdom of heaven, we have a direct line to the president. We, not only is he the president, but he's the king. He's our father. We inherit everything from him. So we just need to walk in it. We just need to walk it out. I'd like to invite the worship team to come back up. If you feel as though you are not a citizen of heaven. You feel as though that you are still trapped in this endless void of sin and death and darkness and you have no way out. I've got good news for you. Jesus already came, Jesus already won. All you have to do is make a decision. It's a heart posture that they decide, I'm gonna die to my old self, I'm gonna follow you the rest of my days, and I'm gonna accept my identity as a son or daughter of God.
So I'll have everyone bow their heads, close their eyes. If there's anyone in this room that, that feels that that decision that has not been made feels as though they have, they have not begin to cross that bridge, that they have not made a decision that in an instant that they can be a son or daughter of God, if you could just throw up a hand. We have prayer partners. We have elders that would love to come and speak with you. And, and it is just the beginning of your eternal life with Christ and that identity that you can walk in. If I could have everybody stand up. If anyone raises their hands, like I was saying, we'll come up front, we'll pray with you, but I'd like, to, I'd like to lead a prayer to the congregation that everyone can just say to themselves. Um, Lord, I thank you that you saw me in my filth and my sin. I thank you that you saw me in my darkness and that you, that you loved us so much that you provided a way out that you sent your one and only son to die on the cross and that we can now cross over into new eternal life with you. I accept and I acknowledge the sacrifice made on the cross and I choose that in this moment, that this moment is the beginning of my new eternal life with Christ, that I have died to my old man and I have been reborn. I am a son or daughter of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Also, if, if you feel that you're on the other side of that and you feel that you are a son or daughter of God, but you're allowing dead things to come back to life, there's a very, very easy fix to that. I'd love to have a conversation with anybody. I, I, you can come again with our prayer partners. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.